our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hi, Sim. Hello, Sonia. How's it been? What gets me is that we're having this conversation after we nearly had a domestic about coasters. What are you talking about? You want me to relive it, don't you? Go on. I feel like you want to repeat it. I would love to hear from the internet around your belief on using coasters. I personally think coasters are vital, you know, if you're not using a coaster, for example, we just had some masala jar, it's really hot and you didn't use a coaster, even though I specifically said use a coaster. Okay. And I'm with you. Look, I feel like this is my rule with coasters. If I'm at someone else's house and if they use coasters, I'll use one. And I try my best and I may have forgotten to use a coaster. I may have put my cup on your bed and it may have fallen over and I may have spilt something on your bed. I am sorry. However. So to be clear, she was at my house, but she just doesn't respect me. No, 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 no. I think you've got it all mixed up. I respect you. I respect your coaster beliefs. It's just not something I believe in. Like we just don't have coasters at home. We just cover our tables with like tablecloths. Is this like a plastic cloth? Yeah, like water can't get under. Okay, yeah. And I respect that. So why can't you respect me? Because it was my house and she spilt like half a peppermint tea like on my bed. Oh, at the time it was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But as soon as we record, it's like it was half the peppermint tea. <laughs> Moving forwards, what are we talking about today? We are talking about money mistakes that we have made in the last year. We did an episode last year about money mistakes we'd made in our 20s. And that was a very fun episode. The best part about it is that we were a lot smaller back then. So we shared so much information. And then when we blew up, we were like, wow, we really, we really did let the whole world know that I was not paying my parking fine and that's okay. So we've come back to new year. We've made more mistakes. And so these are the mistakes that we have made in the past year when it comes to money, because you know what? We all make mistakes. We all live and learn. So the first mistake that I have made this year, or maybe the one that's probably most important to me, is that I stopped tracking my spending. I used to be really diligent with it. And I every time I would spend even like $2 or every time I transferred someone money, I would track it in my spending app. And then every week and every month I could review it and be like, okay, this is what I spent. This is how much I did last month. What's something I can improve on? For example, I could look at it and be like, okay, this month my shopping was a little bit 
out of control. So next month, let me reel that in. But my food spending was actually better than expected. I can be more generous with myself. And so by not doing that, I don't know, I just feel like blinded or at limbo and I'm kind of just floating through my finances instead of knowing what's like step by step coming up. So I usually use like a money app and I would just have a place in it where every time you spend something, you can either automatically sink it into the app, but I would prefer to just put it in myself so that it's almost like a shameful act. Like if I go out and spend $100 on Sephora, I have to like do a walk of shame almost to that app and like type it in and be like, yes, I did spend $100 on makeup or skincare. And so that would keep me accountable because I'd start to find myself not wanting to spend money sometimes because I was like, I don't want to put that into the app. It's going to look so bad. And that, I don't know, it was like a nice way to keep track of everything. And I wish I, like I'm starting to try and do it again, but it's so hard and unmotivating when I've like missed out on so many months and I can't compare it to last month because I didn't track last month. Some of the stuff that you were saying around, it's like a walk of shame to the money app. And do we want to unpack that? Why? Because <laughs> I get that it's really good for accountability, but if it's making you think about your money and adding a little bit of anxiety around spending, because that's something that you've also been open about in terms of getting a visual migraine at looking at accommodation in LA. Just for context, guys, so we were looking at accommodation, right? At this point in my life, I had kind of done some research and realized how much I had spent on my travels. So I was already like, okay, I've spent a little bit of money. Let's not get too crazy. So I come over to Sonia's house. We look at how much accommodation is going to be. We start off looking in Beverly Hills, which is, I guess, naturally a more expensive place to live. It was $2,000 and I lost my sight. Do you think it has added to this mindset of shameful spending about not wanting to spend your money and just a little bit of a tug of war in your head when you spend money? So how detrimental is it that you didn't do this? Is what I'm trying to say. For me, I know you. You're not an impulsive spender. When you do spend money, it's you either need it, you're replacing something that you use often. You're not really buying stuff just to spend money. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it actually that detrimental? And it, is it actually a money mistake if it's kind of made you a little bit chill? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. See, the issue is it hasn't made me chill because I am anxious that I don't know where I'm spending my money. And I'd rather know and have control over it and just be aware of what I'm doing as opposed to like spending money and not knowing where it's going. And then that causes me anxiety. But what I'm trying to do is to get back on track with it. And so though it's a money mistake for the last year that I have not been tracking my spending, it is something that from today, from this podcast, I'm going to start doing it again because you can always, you can always start again. Anyway, so that kind of felt a little bit like an interrogation, which I was not prepared for. Sonia, you really are my unnecessary therapist. Thank you. Let's switch the conversation to you. What is a money mistake you have made in the past year? The thing is, is that last year, as we all know, we've done a few episodes on it now. Um, I was on a low buy year. And so I think those bigger mistakes around unnecessary spending and, you know, not really keeping a track of my money because that's the that was the whole point of my year, just to be more conscious with my spending. However, is the mistake of creating all these loopholes with my spending, especially when it comes to like food and coffee. I don't know if it was necessarily a mistake. It's just something that I really reflected on when I was like rounding up the year. And we did an episode with Sarah over at the One Up Project. And we talked about this a little bit as well, but 
if I'm creating loopholes for my rules that I set earlier on in the year, and mind you, it was like a few months into it, did I actually succeed? I think you had like a positive net outcome from your low bite year. And that's a new word that I've learned recently. So I'm going to try and incorporate it, a positive you know, net outcome. Sure, there's been some negatives. Sure, there's been some positives from doing a low buy year. But overall, it's been a positive experience to your spending habits. Again, not to say you're a big spender, but I feel like you've taken away more than I guess the bad stuff that may have happened. And sure, there are loopholes that you've mentioned, like, you know, getting Uber Eats if someone else is with you or, or buying a coffee because you'd buy a coffee if someone else was with you. But think about all that you've learned from that experience, I think it would be kind of silly to assume that someone could do an entire year, 365 days of being like a complete no buy year spender and not doing anything for yourself. I like how you like are comforting and affirming like my thoughts. And with your one, I was just like, let's reevaluate. Yeah. See, I'm like, I'm one of those terribly supportive friends. Like if you tell me it's the worst day of your life, I'll be like, it absolutely is. And if you're like, this is okay, I'll be okay. I'm like, yeah, you will be. So you're a dishonest friend? No, I just go with the flow. That's the exact opposite of what you just did with me. If we want to stay friends, I think we should move on. This is one of my favorite stories. Your next example. Oh my God, how embarrassing. So one of the mistakes I had made in this year, and trust me, there are plenty, but I think this one just stuck a little bit more for me. So basically, I'll set the scene. I was in Queenstown. I was on holiday and I had a rental car down there, which is pretty expensive. Rental cars are not cheap. And I had already extended my rental car stay, which was, you know, a little bit more expensive, but I was like, oh, I don't want to give it in just yet. So I wasn't keeping the rental for the whole three weeks. I was just keeping it for a couple of days to get settled in, get some groceries, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So my first issue is that I was lazy and I was like, I don't really want to bring my rental car in today. So I just called them up and I was like, can I keep it another three days? They were like, yep. Did I need it for three days? No, I just hadn't done my groceries yet. And I was just like, you know, that's fine. So then I have to return my rental car back to the airport. So I drive the car to the airport, about 15, 20 minute drive. Not too bad. I drop the car off and then I get an Uber back to my Airbnb. I walk up this like crazy hill. There's like all these people around because it's construction. I like go to open the door of my Airbnb and I'm like, oh crap. I have left the keys on the key of the rental car that I like handed in. You know how they have that drop box and you just pop it in. So no one was there to like be like, oh, by the way, this isn't our key. Like it was my fault. I just dropped it in. And I was like, oh my God, crap. So I then took an Uber back to the airport, which was a pain in the ass and got the key and then I Ubered back. So now I have Ubered three times between my place and the airport. Very embarrassing. I come home and I kind of talk about it with Sonia and one of my friends and they were like, why don't you bus? I didn't say that personally. I feel like you should have. <laughs> I just called you a dumbass. Which is fair. But also I was like, wait, why didn't I bus? I wasn't in a rush. There were bus stops around and it's to the airport. Of course there'd be a bus. I was just so gobsmacked. I wasted like $80, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money, but $8 versus $80 and all for what? Just not checking my keys. But it's still an hour of just the utmost stress. Like when you're stressed and a little bit panicky about like getting back into the Airbnb and you've dropped it off at the 
like drop off place. There weren't even people there. Like you're not going to be like, okay, what is the most cost effective way to get to the airport when all you're thinking about is getting those keys back? I was just so upset at myself and it was really embarrassing. And I even was like to the Uber driver, like the one that dropped me back at the airport the second time. I was like, can you just wait for two minutes? Cause I'm just going to come back. Like I'm going to grab my key and come back and you can just keep it as one ride. And he was like, yeah, of course. So I don't know if that made it cheaper for me. That wasn't really my intention. It was more just like, look, when you leave, I'm going to ask for an Uber again and you're probably going to like see me and be like, what is this girl up to? Like, let's just save the embarrassment, which was fine. But yeah, it was just embarrassing. And then one of my friends was like, oh, it was just a few dollars and a few minutes of your time. And I got, I got so upset. I was like, no, it wasn't. But I don't know. I think $80 is not a lot of money. But at the same time, it just feels like a really big mistake because I just wish I hadn't. And I wish I was smarter and more aware of my time. And one of my friends who's also a business owner, like replied to a story of mine and he was like, it just sounds like you're a bit overworked to the point where you can't even recognize that, you know, you left your keys. So maybe just like create more mental space for your mind. It's just funny because he's right. That's a topic that we will probably dive. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. I've been to in a different episode. I feel like you're trying to turn this into girls that do therapy. Yeah, that's what I want to do. But yeah, so that's my second issue. Share me yours. Share me yours. Mine is a money mistake that I've made the past few years, and that is owning a car. I just reflecting on the past year, the past few years, and I know there's been lockdown, but there's no way that I have utilized and driven my car as much as I'd need to for it to actually be cost effective for me to keep it. Like if I'm thinking about the car, the petrol, the service, my insurance, mind you, I only just got my restricted last year. So big claps to Sonia. Props to you. 25. Yeah. And the only reason I got it is because it was due to expire, my learners. My mother did that. She had her restricted for eight years until they told her they would take it away if she didn't get her full. Yeah. So that is an ongoing joke with my friends. Sim asked me the other day, I was literally driving us and she was like, wait, do you even have your license? And I was like, yes, I got it in July, 2021. Did I say that to you? Yeah. It's probably to do with your driving, not the license. And that's another thing. (laughs) Go on. I'm not one of those people. I think I used to be when I just like 
was responsible for myself, but I'm not one of those people that enjoys driving. And so like, I'm not the best driver and I'm okay with saying that. And I know that. And I think every single friend that has been in the car with me has some kind of story. Not that I've put people in like, okay, maybe once or twice, like there was an air crashes. But they're still here. They're still alive. And I'm still alive. Sim's still here. Mind you, you drive me everywhere. It's just easier for both of us. The thing that gets me is I get really hot-headed when I drive. Like I am such a road rager as well. So driving is not even good for my mental health. You know what? I back you 100% there. So Sonia and I didn't drive together for a long time. It just, we never needed to. And it was only a couple of years ago when we did, I think like a road trip together or you were driving and for the first time in my life, you were just like a little pocket rocket and you were yelling. And I was like, you're so, you're, you're my Switzerland friend. Like you're so calm, you're so collected, but on the road, you are a menace. Yep. And do you know what? I have absolutely no right to be because I am the bitch that can't drive. Sorry, this is, I've just gone on a completely different tangent and exposed myself on air <laughs> to one of my folks. But yeah, I think I got a car because it was like the cool thing to do back in 2016. And I do love my car. So in conclusion, the costs of a car versus how much I actually use the car because all my friends just pick me up because they don't want to deal with me driving. It's just not worth it. I could have saved thousands of dollars. Do you feel like you haven't sold it, but you're planning to sell it? I'm going to sell it. I need to put it up on good old trade me next month. I respect the fact that you could admit that the car wasn't your best purchase. To me, like... I don't see it as a big waste of your money, but I can understand from yeah, you don't drive as much and you know, like you've been able to work from home, you have all your friends that feel more safer driving you around. And so it's like this perfect storm of like, you could have been car free and I get that. I guess this is just me being like a friend. I don't think it's like the worst mistake in the world. I don't think I'm not like, I've never looked at your car and been like, Sonia is so dumb for keeping that because you still sometimes need a car. If I needed it, I could just use my dad's car, you know, if I needed to drive somewhere. But yeah, just think of all the, I could use all of that money to invest. I like the tie-in, good one. It's interesting that you kind of spoke about the car aspect of like something that you weren't using for a while because it kind of ties in with the mistake that I made in the last year, which is that I wasn't utilizing something and I just kind of left it there. So I have a place, my own home, and I came up to my parents' place for the summer just to spend more time with everyone. You know, the lockdown had happened. We hadn't seen our families and also my friends. I just have not seen my friends in the city for so long. I came, I thought I would just stay for a couple of weeks and I would go back. It was a lot longer. I ended up having what I would call like an extremely extended holiday away from my home and I didn't utilize or consider the fact that I've got this house. I have a mortgage. I should probably, you know, at least Airbnb it out or, you know, ask if anyone wants to rent out a room. There's like a completely spare, empty room. And I just let it sit there and no one house at it. No one, like I didn't offer like, you know, any incentive to cover the fact that I was away from my home for like three months. From a financial point of view, I think it's very privileged to be like, it was fine if I didn't you know, like I could still pay my mortgage without someone coming in and like staying there. But I just wish I had planned out better and been like, oh no, I will stay in Auckland for X amount of time. And if I'm staying there, I should probably rent out a room or probably like put it on Airbnb and like someone might want to be there over the summer. And that should be an option I consider, but I just was too lazy. Like what would you have done if you were in my shoes? First of all, in terms of planning, you were only planning to be here for not that long. 
It was just an extended stay. So did you want to already in your busy schedule and you were in Queenstown for a few weeks as well, want to go back to Hamilton, get the house ready and then deal with the admin of putting it up? True. Good point. Didn't think about it like that. You, Yes, Sonia, you are correct. Thank you. I just love hearing it. Yeah. Well, now it's on record, so you can play it over and over again. This episode was, you know, us talking about our money mistakes, but I just think we've reassured each other that we haven't made mistakes. You've been like, I bought a car and I don't use it. And I'm like, but that's okay. I think if anything, what we can take away is in the grand scheme of things, these the way we look at our money mistakes is by sort of overestimating the effect it has on our day-to-day lives. And we think that if I've made this mistake, I could I could never financially recover from this, you know? And so many of us, you know, whether it be having debt or making a mistake, having, you know, a, a buy now, pay later application or this or that. In the grand scheme of things, you're going to be here for a very long time and a hiccup or two is not going to detract you from your overall goals. Mm. I think the shift in mindset of us thinking like this as well, it's a massive privilege and it doesn't escape us that these mistakes that we're making for other people that would impact like their livelihoods and you know what they do in terms of where they can balance out costs elsewhere because they've taken an $80 Uber and things like that. So for me, convenient spending is luxurious. Mm-hmm. So not so you could have taken a bus. That might have taken like an hour itself to just get to the airport with the stops and stuff, whereas the Uber just took you straight there, but it's more expensive. So for me, I'm at a point in my life and again, it doesn't escape me how privileged I am and how grateful I feel. But for me, convenient spending is luxurious. I love it. I think that's a good place to wrap up. All right. So before we go, just a couple of things. We have so much fun on our Instagram. Check us out there. We're at 140,000 followers, which is absolutely mind blowing. We've also got our Facebook group, Girls That Invest. We've got 10,000 people in that group, which is so wild. If you have had a money mistake in the last year that you want to share, we're going to put up a post in that group for, you know, further discussions. If there's anything that we've talked about that you want to dive into further, we're going to have a place in that group to kind of go into it share things a bit more if you've liked this episode please rate and review it on apple podcasts or spotify now and of course the disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investing or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances do your research and please use your due diligence all right till next time sonia till next time sim bye